Hi, this is Colin McCallan. Thank you for listening. Please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you. Welcome to Is This Legal? Here are your hosts, attorneys Colin McCallan and Russell Hebbets. Friends, Romans, countrymen, and women. This is 2022 after all. Um, welcome to Is This Legal? Um uh, just the best legal podcast out there, in my own humble opinion. I am Colin McCallan. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Russell Hebbets. Russell, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Hello, 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 everyone out there. We're recording this after the 4th of July, so we wish a belated 4th of July to everybody out there. Russ, how was your 4th? My 4th was fantastic. I was in a small town of Crested Butte, got out, enjoyed the mountains. It was fantastic. Great. I also had a nice 4th of July. I did not blow my hand off with uh, an M80 or anything like that. Uh, I'll tell you, there's some very entertaining uh, Twitter videos out there about people who did blow stuff up. Did you see the Simply Safe one with just the family just, <laughs> just diving for cover? <laughs> Where the car explodes full of fireworks? Yes, that was fantastic. Well, in addition to asking about the your 4th of July, how is your post-4th of July work week been? Because, uh, you know, for those out there who might imagine, you know, we're, we're criminal defense lawyers. A lot of people are up to no good on 4th of July weekend. We've we, been busy, Russ. We I sure have been. <laughs> we, we tend to normally get a post-holiday bump, whether it's 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial, Memorial Day, Day yeah. any any drinking yeah, holiday. Christmas really. even, really. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> that's yeah. a big one. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of uh, coming up for air here uh, this week because we're cleaning up uh, all those messes. But we, uh, we wanted to find time to get out a new pod. Uh, thanks for your patience uh, in waiting for this one. We are going to be discussing what is going on with the United States Supreme Court. Um, I am sure that many of you in recent weeks have been paying attention to some of the rulings that have been put out by the court. Um, because there are a lot of, I guess, firebrand rulings, a lot of major landmark cases uh, that have come down recently. Um, you know, I mean, the top of the mountain, of course, is the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Right. Something that realistically I never thought I would see in my lifetime, but here we are. Um, so we're going to discuss that case as well as some uh, some other um, interesting cases and opinions that the court has put out. And we're going to talk a little bit about the court. I mean, we, we've done a Supreme Court episode before. Uh, Russ, but I think what we're going to do that's a little different is we're going to look at this specific court. Yeah, um, we're, we're going to look at this specific court and we're going to look specifically at the cases that are now coming down because their session just ended where they put out all of these rulings. And this is the first session that we've seen with a conservative supermajority. That, that's right. And, and honestly, the makeup of the court has changed drastically I mean, we've had uh, four new appointed justices in the last four years, and and I think we're really starting to see, I guess, the ramifications of the current court makeup. So, yeah. Russ, why don't you uh, talk to us about who who is currently on the Supreme Court? And before you begin, everybody at home, uh, how many Supreme Court justices do you think you can name right now? Okay, I mean, we're uh, lawyers, so we have no right. excuse, but. I'm I'm willing to bet most of you can't name all nine. So, uh, Rush, would you be Rush? Rush? I'm not going to rush. rush. <laughs> I'm not going to rush. All right, I'm going to take my time with this. So don't don't rush me. All right, all right, Rush. I mean, Rush. <laughs> uh, please uh, walk us through the current makeup of the Supreme Court. 
So you have the chief of the court right now is John Roberts. He was a George W. Bush appointee. You have Clarence Thomas, his father, George Bush, uh, appointed Longest Cl- member of the court, I believe, is he, uh, Clarence Thomas, right? He is. And yeah. other than John Roberts, who gets first on my list by virtue of being the chief, these next ones are all going to go in order. So Clarence Thomas is next. Then you have Samuel Alito, George W. Bush, again, um, nominated and appointed Samuel Alito. Then you have Sonia Sotomayor, a Barack Obama appointee. Elena Kagan, a Barack Obama appointee. Then you get into the Donald Trump era. Trump has three appointees to the Supreme Court. And you guys might remember, you know, there was a lot of hullabaloo really on both ends with a couple of these appointees. Um, because Obama originally tried to appoint Merrick Garland. However, the Senate refused to start the hearings on him and waited until Donald Trump was in. They were controlled by the Republican majority at the time. And and Donald Trump appointed Neil Gorsuch. Then Brett Kavanaugh. Some of you may have watched some of those hearings. Then Amy Coney Barrett, again, Donald Trump very recently. And then the most recent justice to the Supreme Court uh, is Katanji Brown Jackson. She actually was just seated, just sworn in after this last term. Yeah, after the retirement of Justice Breyer. So Breyer is the third um, liberal justice on all of these opinions for, well, most of these are 6-3 opinions we're going to be talking about. Next term, it'll be Katanji Brown-Jackson. However, that that replacement is not going to change the composition of the court. Right. Um, the I think the takeaway here, though, is that you have a, a very clear um, conservative block of the court made up of six justices, and those guys are, again, Roberts, Thomas, Alito, uh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. And then you have the liberal wing of the court, which is going to be only three justices. That's Sotomayor, Kagan, and Jackson. Pretty amazing how this can happen. I mean, Barack Obama is the president for eight years. He only gets two appointees. Uh, Trump was president for four years and managed to get three people on the bench. And and that's what we're, that's part of what we're going to be talking about today because the, the, the court is, is very much not in balance as it kind of has been before Trump came along. It, I mean, it really was in, it was in balance for a long time. Long time yeah. before, like you would see often five four decisions, and you would oftentimes. I mean, back in the day, Kennedy was the swing vote because right. he would sometimes go with the conservatives, sometimes with the liberals. And you never knew. I mean, you never like, knew. I, he had his Kennedy dice back there, right. and he would <laughs> right. just kind of roll them, and yeah, whatever the number turned up, that that's what side he was going to take. Right. And <laughs> that and that was decades. That was decades where the court was very evenly balanced. So right. now we have the six three very conservative majority where even if you do do have one of those conservative justices defect they still have a clear majority to enact that conservative mandate right so now that we've kind of laid the groundwork of of the current makeup of the, of the court we would like to talk about a few of the opinions that they have put out recently that that have caused a lot of controversy because a lot of these are are very political in nature. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to kind of discuss what the court has done. And then, you know, we're going to have a discussion a little later on about, okay, if you're unhappy with the current makeup of the court, um, you know, if, if you, if you think if you're, if you're part of this minority group that doesn't like what the majority is doing, what recourse, if any, do Americans have, uh, to change the makeup of the court or, or other people or other entities in government? What, what, what powers do they have or don't have in order to change this? So we'll be talking about that a little bit uh, down the line. But Russ, why don't we get to some cases? And um, I'm of the opinion we should just start with the, uh, the most controversial um, one that came out. Let, and that let's... is um, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. Um, this is a, an opinion that just came down about two weeks ago at the time we're recording this that has effectively overturned uh, Roe v. Wade as well as Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Uh, which had been on the books in this country for over 50 years. Um, those are no longer uh, precedent in this country due to this decision. And those and those cases, <clears throat> those cases gave women a constitutional right to have an abortion. And, and Russ, this is the very first time. Glad you brought that up because you used the word right. It is a. It was a nope. constitutional right, and it's the first time. In the United States of America, his, uh, American history, where the court has um, taken away right. a right that had been previously conferred. This is the very first time that's happened. And, and they did take away the right, which it was. It was a constitutional right to abortion. Uh, a little bit of the framework, um, you know, Roe v. Wade was, was a decision that came down, obviously, in uh, 1972. And it was the first opinion that said that there is a constitutional right under the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause right. uh, for a woman to terminate her pregnancy. Um, and they, there, is, there is a body of rights, Russ, that fall under what we call substantive due process rights. Okay, So what these are, these are rights that the court has... Uh, has indicated Americans have that aren't specifically enumerated in the Constitution, but have a deeply rooted tradition in American history where the court has recognized those rights. Right. So abortion was one. Yes. Um, other examples of this, Russ, what are they? Uh, the right to gay marriage. Yep, exactly. Same-sex marriage, uh, that, that is a substantive due process right. What's some others? We have contraception. Yep, um, you right. have a right to contraception. To use this, contraception. That's correct. Um, interracial marriage. Uh, there's a Supreme Court uh, opinion that indicates that the 14th Amendment allows two people of different races to get married. And that's that's Loving, correct? That, is that, that case? That's right. Yes. I, I think that's right, the Loving case. So, you know, there's, there's a, this large body of law that supports these substantive due process rights. And like I mentioned a minute ago, this Dobbs opinion has taken away the right to abortion. And so um, the effect of the ruling, uh, in addition to those other cases we mentioned being overturned, basically the Supreme Court has uh, basically sent this issue back to the states. Right. Yeah, they basically said in the absence of something explicit in the Constitution, explicitly granting that right, then 
It's silent on it, which means the states can regulate or not regulate however they want. It is up to the states, and it's this patchwork. And this this comes from the conservative justices' originalist view of the Constitution. Right. And what, what that means yeah. is they look at the Constitution not as a living, evolving document. They look at it as what was its intent upon creation. Right. So we're talking about the late 1700s, mm-hmm. right? So in the late 1700s, there was no abortion wasn't wasn't on the public right. mind at all, right? right. That's was. something that Samuel Alito in his opinion which is like 123 pages long. Um, but that's something he spends a lot of time talking about. He's like, wait a minute, abortion wasn't even an issue back in 1789. Yeah, so how can you have a right to abortion? Right. Right? And and you, you mentioned a, a good, you, you mentioned this is the originalist view. You know, the, the, another term for that is the strict constructionist view of the Constitution. And like you, like you just mentioned, I mean, the, 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 these are justices who look at the Constitution as it was drafted, not as it should be applied today 200 years later. Right, right. right. So, um, of course, the other way that you can look at Supreme Court justices, well, are they a judicial activist and, and or are they a liberal justice? And, and I'm using these terms somewhat colloquially. I mean, what I mean by that, that's, that's th- those justices tend to apply the Constitution to modern times right. and say, look, we, we ha- the times are changing, people are changing, we have to change with them. Right, exactly. And so those, those are the differences. But you know, right now, if you take that original list or strict constructionist view that is espoused in Dobbs, it but just logically leads to some very significant repercussions in other areas of that substantive due process that Colin just talked about, right? And and the only justice who acknowledges this is Justice Clarence Thomas, right? Which so he basically takes the logic of the majority opinion and writes a concurring opinion that says, I concur with this. And by the way, since we're doing this, we should take a look at all of these other substantive due process rights that were granted in previous Supreme Court cases and see if we want to overrule those too. Absolutely. I mean, this, this, is, this couldn't be more of a warning um, to progressives. Yes. I mean, uh, Judge Clarence Thomas basically indicated in his concurring opinion, uh, you know, which not only overruled Roe v. Wade, uh, but upheld this um, this ban on abortions that this Mississippi law had had established. But he basically said, "Let's not stop here. Let's right. let's look at all kinds of substantive due process rights." He indicated that he might uh, overrule the same sex marriage ruling, right. indicating that that's not a constitutional right. He indicated that he might overrule uh, the holding that said that you have a right to contraception. Interestingly <laughs> enough, yeah, Russ, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know <laughs> what what did he decide to uh, maybe leave off the table. Yeah, he did not. He talked about those, but just amazingly enough, for those who don't know, Clarence Thomas is married to Ginny Thomas. Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas is a black man. Ginny Thomas is a white woman. And that's the one substantive due process right that he didn't mention in his opinion. That he would overrule. He said we should take a look at uh, same-sex marriage. He said we should take a look at contraception. Um, But... Yeah, nothing about the uh, the yeah the, the yeah loving case. The, the loving case that you can you have a constitutional right to interracial marriage. So, 
uh, I mean, progressives are very concerned about this ruling. Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you what. I am very concerned about this ruling, Colin. Just from a straight legal perspective, this case, it, the logic really flows to that. It truly does. And if it flows to that, how it should, because there was no right at the founding of the Constitution to same-sex marriage, it was probably frowned upon, then you can have states who could criminalize same-sex marriage. You can have states who can criminalize interracial marriage. We're already seeing states criminalizing abortion. I mean, in the wake of this ruling, there were these trigger laws that basically went into effect immediately upon the issuance of the Supreme Court ruling that immediately banned abortion. Missouri immediately banned abortion in their state. Several other states follow suit. Um, now you've got you're going to have legislative fights over all 50 states, and probably you know for for, for years to come uh, over are we going to be an abortion friendly or uh, an anti-abortion state? Right. And Colorado just recently, just today, I believe, said that they're not going to cooperate with other states who want to try to prosecute people who come to Colorado from non-abortion non-abortion states. So I mean, this creates such a mess just on the abortion issue. And if the logic flows, and there's truly, there's no way to distinguish this from right. those other rights. Right. Like logically, there's no distinct so distinction. Alito, in his majority opinion, he, he discounts what Thomas says. He's like, wait a minute. We're, we're not saying anything about same-sex marriage. We're not saying anything about contraception. He, he basically said, we're drawing the line at abortion because this involves the taking of a life. That I'm, Those are his words, not mine. Um, but like you just said, the blueprint is there. I mean, this ruling is is absolutely a blow to people who champion substance, uh, sub- substantive due process cases. And it's not even necessarily a question of was it frowned upon at the time. It's just was it silent at the time? Because if it was silent at the time, that means states can regulate however you mean the they constitution? want the constitution. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. And that can be any issue at all. Right. So, so Colin, let's let's move on. Let's let's talk about the Second Amendment. Okay. Yep. Because the Supreme Court just issued a pretty big ruling there. We alluded to it in uh, a couple episodes ago. We knew this was coming, right, we, Russ? We, in fact, we, I think you called it. Yep. We knew it was coming, and we had a real good sense of how it was going to come down, and it came down exactly how we thought it was going to. Yep. So, Ex- the, explain this uh, decision. So, the case is New York Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. This was the case to remind anyone out there where New York had a regulation in effect where in order to have the right to carry a gun outside the home, you had to apply for a license. This application went to a licensing official and you had to show, quote, special needs. Right. Okay. So this was more than just general unarticulated fear. This was a reason why you needed that gun for self-defense in New York. The um, New York Rifle and Pistol Association, um, they sued, and the court came down exactly how we thought, which is they expanded Heller, which is the right given by the Supreme Court to for individuals to possess guns in their home. They said that Second Amendment right also extends outside the home. And this regulation from New York violates that Second Amendment right. Right. It violates it for two reasons, Colin. It violates it, one, because there's essentially unchanneled discretion of the licensing official. Some random stuff shirt gets to decide if 
Cornelius gets his gun or not. Right. And then the second one is the requirement for that special need violates the Second Amendment because the Second Amendment is universal. You have a right to bear arms and you don't need to have a special need. That's right. Okay. A little more on this. This uh, this opinion was authored by Clarence Thomas, who we've been talking about. Uh, no surprise there. Um, and I mean, let's just be honest. This, this this opinion says that public carry is a constitutional right. You just mentioned this. I mean, you mentioned the Heller decision. And and by the way, if you're really interested in the history of gun laws in America, we have now done two podcasts on this: Gun Laws in America, Parts One and Two, where we really go through the history of the Second Amendment and talk about Supreme Court case law, including District of Columbia v. Heller, which is the 2008 seminal case on this. But what this case did, this New York Rifle State Pistol Association v. Bruin did, it basically said not only do you have a right uh, to a weapon in your home, you have a right to carry that in public. Yeah. And um, they, I mean, again, Heller and this case, in fairness, they still recognize that there can be limitations on gun, gun ownership. And there, there's... You know, they recodify this. They say if you're a convicted felon, you don't get a gun. If you have a mental health issue or if you are a danger to to the community, uh, you you don't automatically get a gun. And Alito specifically wrote a concurring opinion to that effect. Right. Alito wrote an opinion that said, hey, we are not saying you may not regulate guns. He specifically says, we're not deciding what regulations you need to buy a gun, who can own a gun, or even what types of guns can be bought. We're not saying you can't do any of that. We're saying that in in this situation, New York, that was unconstitutional because of those two reasons that I just gave. Right, exactly. They had an issue with the fact that it, it, it's that there's this special need uh, language that has to be met, that has to rev- be reviewed um, subjectively by a public official who will determine whether or not there's a special need there or not. They said, yep, that's unconstitutional. And, and here's an interesting aside on here. A- Amy Coney Barrett, Justice Barrett, she wrote a concurrence, basically does, doesn't touch any of the content of this case. Um, it, what it talks about is it says, hey, we want to make sure we are, it was basically an originalist concurrence. Right, it right. basically said, we are looking at this from the inception of our founding of our country of not when the Bill of Rights were enacted. And she specifically says, we don't want any freewheeling people going back to the 1860s and trying to use that as historical basis. This goes way back to 1776. Right. I mean, and look, the dissent that was uh, written by Justice Breyer, I, actually, I think this one might have been Sotomayor. No, this one was Breyer. Was it Breyer? Okay. It was. Um, Breyer, yeah, it was Breyer. Breyer teed off on this thing, okay? You know, a, a dissent, of course, is is basically a minority opinion that's critical of the majority opinion. Right. And Breyer spends pages documenting the mass shootings that we are currently dealing with, the statistics of gun violence that permeate this country right now in 2022, and is basically screaming with the other two dissenting justices, like, how can we look at this document as if we're, we're stuck in 1776? We need to look at the fact that that, that guns are ubiquitous, that, that assault rifles can be purchased at Walmart today by just about anybody. And, you know, he, he really criticized 
the uh, majority opinion for basically being very short-sighted and not waking up to the fact that this is a real issue in America. Well, for for the complete absence of looking at the state's compelling need for this regulation. Absolutely. Which is typically the other side of these <laughs> these assessments. Right. Well, that's what he's saying. Breyer was saying, look, New York was trying to you know, basically make their state safer. Right. Why aren't we giving them the deference to do that? And what he said is, you know, I would not have, I would not have overruled this um, New York statute, but even if I, even if we weren't sure what we should have done is gone back and gotten evidence into the record so we could make uh, an actual rational decision based on evidence because this decision was made just on briefs, just right. on legal briefs. So lawyers writing and giving it to the justices. Right. Well, anyway, so that's what happened there. So another 6-3 decision that absolutely strengthens gun rights in this country. Uh, another one that came down um, involving separation of church and state, Russ. This was uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. Um, this is a case that has been meandering through the court system since about 2015. There's this guy, Kennedy. He's a football coach. He's a high school football coach in Washington State. So no relation to the Kennedys. No no relation. <laughs> no relation either the Justice uh, Kennedy or the famous Kennedys. The, yeah. Um, so yeah, to my knowledge anyway. Uh, but anyway, what happened with this guy? So he's a coach who gets uh, hired to coach football in 2008. And what he started doing is after the games, he started having prayer sessions at the 50-yard line after every game. At first, these were really kind of, he was just kind of nodding his head and silently bowing his, uh, his head in prayer. But by 2015, he was inviting uh, the team onto the field. He was inviting parents, other attendees to the field. This was kind of a big thing. Closing he would invite coaches. the media. And he was told by, it's interesting, he... He was not fired for this. He was told by the school district, look, you have a right to pray, but we don't want you to do it on the field after the game. We'd like to designate a private area that you can pray for anybody who wants to join you, but please don't do it on the 50-yard line because we feel like you're compelling your players or putting pressure on them or co coercing them to feel like they have to pray along with you. Important to note, this is a public school. This is not a private school. This is with a public school. So basically, you have a public school employee engaging in prayer on the field after activities. So um, he doesn't get fired, but he gets demoted, uh, and they decide not to renew his contract after it expired. He sued all the way up to the Supreme Court, and in a 6-3 decision, Russ, he won. Yep. Um, so this uh, this is a blow to separation of church and state. Um, Justice Gorsuch, one of the Trump appointees, was the one who authored this opinion, and he basically said, "Look, um, what this guy did wasn't coercive. He has a right to free speech. He has a right to pray. Um, we find that you know he didn't actively, he wasn't trying to indoctrinate anybody. He kind of you know and." The dissent went crazy on this. Well, this was Sotomayor, and yeah. she's like, wait a minute. Well, this is what was so striking to me, is because if you look at this opinion, the majority opinion and the um, dissent, they read like they're describing completely <laughs> different 
fact oh, yeah. patterns. Absolutely. I mean, they literally like Gorsuch's majority says this was a low key, um, silent prayer where this Barely was audible. Yeah. And this was not a big deal. And this was not inviting people. And, you know, Sotomayor's descent, she actually included pictures. Right. Which, which apparently, <laughs> I didn't know this, but I, apparently this is one of the first times in Supreme court history where pictures were included as part of an opinion. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard of it either, but yeah. so do my or what, 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 what the point that she was making in including these pictures is she showing like crowds, a bunch, crowds of people right. uh, who are, you know, kind of coming up to the 50 yard line. It, it, it became an, an event in and of itself. Uh, you know, and, and of course, the media was reporting on this. So these these prayer celebrations got bigger and bigger. And Sotomayor's point is this absolutely is coercive. If you're a player on that team who, who doesn't you know belong to any sort of religion, you are going to feel compelled to participate in this because it's your coach doing it. And that and that stuff, you know, it matters, and it's it's very. It's troubling that we have such different fact patterns because like Gorsuch's opinion based on his fact pattern in there, that, that is a rational decision. Right. Um, and it's, it's the first time I've really seen the Supreme court come out with such disparate descriptions of the same event where it's just not the same. Well, Russ, and, and one thing that I, can't help wondering. I mean, he, he's a Christian coach. I mean, that he, right. he, that's what his faith is. I really wonder if, if he was a Muslim and brought out his prayer rug to the 50 yard line and started reading from the Quran. I really wonder if the justices would have decided this case the same. I mean, it really makes me wonder, right? Well, if they're doing what they're supposed to do, they should have, right. You know, although, I mean, honestly, let's talk about that. It, the way I read this case, if you are a Muslim coach in America yes. and feel the need or want to go out and pray after a game, you have a, a Supreme Court case that backs up your ability to do so. At a public game. That's, you know, this that's, is not limited to the Christian right. faith. Right. Um, you know, but that's certainly something that I was kind of wondering about. Um, so there's that case. Russ, let's talk about one more. So quick one. This one was just decided. It's Vega versus Tekka. This is one that we just included because it involves the Miranda right and peppered throughout all of our podcasts are anecdotes and admonitions about the Miranda rights that all of us have. Well, the Supreme Court weighed in on Miranda. Um, Miranda has been law for quite some time and Miranda to remind anyone that is what you see on TV. When the cops arrest someone, they say you have a right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. It goes on, but that's the Miranda advisement. And that is letting people know they have a right to counsel and they don't have to expose themselves to police interrogation without a lawyer. So I'm not sure which one was the, um, the government and oh. which one was the uh, was the defendant, but either Vega or Tekka was <laughs> <laughs> was um was it sounds like video game character. It kind of does, yeah. Um, was subjected to interrogation in violation of his Miranda rights. Okay, okay, so he was not advised of Miranda. He was interrogated anyway while he was in custody, and 
he sued. He sued the police department civilly. He said, you have violated my constitutional rights by not abiding by my Miranda rights. And that is a Fifth Amendment violation. And it's a constitutional violation. And I want to recover money from you. Supreme Court said, yeah, there's this Miranda right, but we're going to go ahead and say that doesn't give you a right to sue the government. Okay. So, so they're not overruling Miranda. I mean, Miranda is still good law, but they're saying if there's a violation, government is shielded from a lawsuit, yeah, they're, from civil they're, liability. They're not overruling it. They're just shooting a warning shot over its hull. <laughs> because this is, this is, this is definitely well, scary. Who knows? I mean, right. I mean, it, it, it is, it is regardless of, of your thoughts on Roe v. Wade getting overturned, for example, that just the fact that it happened. I think is a surprise to many, many people. Like it, it, it was one of those things that had been on the books for so long, and the, and the, the Supreme Court's always such a big champion of what this notion of stare decisis, which is we want to adhere to prior legal precedents. So, right. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, they didn't do that in this case, but um, I digress. So going back to uh, the Miranda case, anything else on that one, Russ? No, that's it. It's it's a pretty simple case, pretty limited holding, but it's just it. It makes you nervous if you're a defense attorney because Miranda Wright is a foundational right and this whittles away at it a little bit. Yep. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. You know, we actually had a guest lined up for today's show to play Is This Legal? But unfortunately, there was a scheduling conflict. But Colin, we are not going to let a little scheduling conflict ruin our fun, are we? It's not going to rain on our parade. No way. We have umbrellas. I I, 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 I typed up this legal scenario right here, and we got a bunch of listeners who were probably just chomping at the bit to uh, test their legal acumen, right? So here it is. It's a play at home episode of... Is this legal? That's right. Nicely done. I like that, Russ. Um, so uh, here is your scenario. For those of you uh, who are new to the show, we at this point in the show, we give you a fictional legal scenario, uh, usually involving those two idiots, Jebediah and Cornelius. Uh, we present this scenario to you, and you tell us, we're going to ask you some questions about uh, is this legal or not. So here is your scenario. <clears throat> Jebediah is a convicted felon, meaning he is not allowed to legally possess firearms. One day, he hooks his horse up to his wagon and steers his coach down to the local saloon. After a few too many whiskeys, of course it is Jebediah, he is pulled over on the side of the dirt road by Sheriff Myrtle on horseback. In addition to investigating him for drunk driving of a wagon, Sheriff Myrtle becomes interested in a musket that is found under the seat of his coach, knowing that Jebediah is not allowed to possess weapons. Jebediah says, wait a minute, this musket is not mine. And he is actually correct about that, Russ, because it turns out he got so drunk at the saloon that he drove the wrong wagon home. This wagon belongs to his rival Cornelius, as does the musket. So, listeners, here's your first question. Can Jebediah be charged with theft of the wagon and the musket? Your second question is, can Jebediah be charged with possession of a firearm by a convicted felon? And finally, 
Can Jebediah be charged with drunken wagoning? That's that's what I'm calling it, Russ. No, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's on the books. On the books. <laughs> yeah, right. In Amish, Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. So, so, um, so the, let's go with the first question. Yeah. Can, can he be charged with grand theft yeah. wagon? Did he steal that wagon? Did he steal Cornelius's wagon and, and therefore his musket? What get, do we think about that? First of all, get, you got your answers locked in. Get your votes in, everyone. Okay, you're deciding. Okay. Russ, what's the answer? The answer is no. He cannot be charged with theft of that wagon. He had no mens rea. He had no intent. This is what's called a mistake of fact. Yep. He believed that he was driving home his wagon. Yes. Um, And only until Sheriff Myrtle pointed out it was the wrong wagon did he realize, oh, whoopsie. Yep, you're not criminally liable for a mistake of fact like that. All right, well, what about this next one? Can Jebediah be charged with possession of a firearm, to wit musket, uh, as a convicted felon, Russ? All right, everyone have your answers in. And the answer is no. No, he cannot. It's the same rationale. Um, Possession requires a knowing you have to knowingly be in possession of something illegal for you to be uh, right. uh, convicted of it. So because he didn't know that this wagon that wasn't his had a musket underneath the uh, floorboards, he's good to go. And, and I'll tell you, pretty much every theft statute has that mens rea, that knowingly element. There are some crimes that don't have that mental state. Those yeah. are called strict liability crimes. That'd be something like DUI. Ooh. Oh, I've got a question. Will Jebediah be charged with DUI for driving the wagon home um, based on what you just told me, Russ? Well, but what if he didn't know he was drunk? (laughs) Not a defense. Not a defense. I love that. But officer, I didn't know I was drunk. That's amazing. Can you release me now? (laughs) You can't can't prove I knew I was drunk. Yeah, so he can be charged with uh, drunken wagoning. Uh, you know, so yeah, he's, he's not, it's not total scot free for him, but yeah, he's doing pretty well here. Two out of three ain't bad, right? That's not bad. How did you do at home? Did you get all three? Did you miss one? Start honking your horn. One, <laughs> three for every one you got right. Yeah. So, so if you're in your car right now and you got three right, honk three times. If you got three wrong, honk eight times. That's rough, rough math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like smooth math around here, right? So that's this week's Is This Legal? And um, we're going to get back to our regular scheduled programming now, Russ. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, let's let's talk about how to unpack this. And, um, you know, if you're not a fan of these decisions, what does this mean for you? Well, Colin talked about this at the top of the show, talked about, you know, what potential solutions are out there if you are upset with the way the court has been skewing right this last term. And so here's here's some things that theoretically could happen. And we'll go through whether it actually has any rational likelihood of happening. So, you know, the first thing is potentially a constitutional amendment. So like in the context of Roe v. Wade. Right. There the Supreme Court said there's no constitutional right to abortion. Well, then why don't you just add a constitutional amendment guaranteeing the right of abortion? Easier said than done uh, is really the issue there. So here's what uh, uh, here, here's what's required of a constitutional amendment. First of all, um, it requires two thirds of the vote for both 
the House and Senate. In other words, two-thirds of, of both houses of Congress would have to agree, they'd have to pass a bill saying we want to codify a constitutional right to abortion. Okay. That's not the end of it. First, that's never going to happen right there. Yeah. The the Um, houses are very evenly split. Right. And, uh, but then even if they somehow succeeded in overcoming that first obstacle, three quarters of the state legislatures must ratify that constitutional amendment for it to take effect. So you basically need 75% of the states in the country to agree that this amendment should go forward. Of the state legislatures. That's right. Yeah. And again, that's just one of those things I don't expect to happen on this type of firebrand of an issue. I think there's too much division. Um, So a constitutional amendment is very, very unlikely. It's only happened 27 times. And I, I I think I was reading the last constitutional amendment. There was one in 1992 over... Something really silly. It was it was like pay for congr- con- congressional members or something. Okay, I'm amazed that it was that recent. Ninety two. Yeah, I mean, I expected yeah. it to be. Most amendments happened within the first fifty years of the republic. Right. Right. So you know, that's probably not a very viable option. Uh, Russ, what else? What What are some other reforms that people are talking about in order to make a more, I guess, balanced court? So some things people are talking about is either expanding the court. Okay, so right now we have nine justices, but if you listen to our first uh, Supreme Court of the United States podcast, you will know Supreme Court did not always have nine justices mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the number varied throughout the history of our republic. And it's been although, changed seven times. I didn't know that until I was getting ready for this show. It's seven times the number of justices has changed in the last, you know, 200 plus years. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was that high. Now it's been a hundred. It's been nine for about 150 years. So uh, that number nine has been unchanged for quite some time. So again, a lot of a lot of changes early. But so here here's the problem with that is you again need to have congressional approval for that. Right. And especially with the filibuster, that is very unlikely unlikely to happen with a closely divided court. Now, theoretically, the court, the Senate could say, well, we're going to, whoever's in the majority, we're going to use the nuclear option. We're going to basically um, ban the filibuster. And filibuster is that 60 vote threshold that you need to pass anything in a 50-50 chamber, Right. right. And that has been done twice. You know, it was done by um, Mitch McConnell and it was done by Harry Reid before that just for single issues. Mm-hmm. And it was to do with the judiciary. It was to get um, justices confirmed. So they suspended the filibuster for that vote. But theoretically, if the majority wanted to do that, they could. The problem is once they're out of the majority, the other side Right. has that same power. Exactly. So that, you know, theoretically it could happen. That's the same answer for term limits as well, by the way, is you still would need congressional approval for term limits as well. Yeah. To, to remind you, um, the Supreme Court justices do not have uh, term limits. Once you are appointed, you are appointed for life. It's one of the only, I think it's one of the only offices in the federal, in either the executive branch or in the legislative branch where, or the judicial branch, <laughs> in the branches of government, I guess I could say, <laughs> right. uh, where, where you're appointed for life. Once you receive that appointment, you're on until you die. And there's people talking about changing that. So there's a third thing that can happen is the vote. The people of the republic can vote 
whatever their conscience says. Because, you know, on, on the Dobbs case on abortion, you know, whatever your personal views are there, are on abortion, on abortion out there, sorry, um, the polls consistently show a pretty high majority of Americans support abortion rights, mm-hmm. you know? So if the people out there go out and vote and vote people in who are pro-choice, if they're pro-choice, then those politicians eventually get to appoint justices, just like Donald Trump appointed three justices, and eventually the composition of the court can change, and then we can have the exact same thing happen as happened with Dobbs, except the other way. Yeah, I mean, that, that's true. It's going to take some time, but it, it, it's a really interesting point that you make because you brought up Trump. I mean, Trump, you know, he he put out a statement indicating, okay, when Dobbs came out, he's like, okay, this is a great win for life. But he's also on the record as saying, you know what, this is going to be really bad for Republicans. Um, you know, this is going to bring out progressives for the midterms. This is going to cause problems. I, th- I think Trump even recognized, okay, we've got this ruling now, but there's going to be ramifications to it. And I guess we're going to have to see what the groundswell is uh, for people who don't like what the court did and whether or not anything's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Probably we'll, not, though. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, we got a very young conservative block on the court right now. Right. Yeah. So. It, it is It is a young conservative block. And you, you don't see too many um, conservative retirements coming up in the near future. So, you know, those are a few thoughts on basically what can happen. But as you can see, uh, this court is probably here to stay for some time. Um, we will be paying attention to future actions of the court uh, as time goes on. But Russ, um, I don't know. It feels like it's time to get a little silly, maybe even perhaps a little bit dumb. What it's, do you think? It is time Mr. McAllen for D-C-O-T-W, baby! The Dumb Criminal of the Week. Man. So, this is... This is a good one. There's a video on this. I so I got to watch this video, but I didn't. Wait, is she going to be talking about a video? We're not going to get I'm, to see. I'm going to recount a video to you <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I'm 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 apologizing in advance because I don't know this guy's name. I don't know where it was. Uh, I assume it was Florida, of course. Um, but here's here's what happens. This guy walks into a very sparse vape shop okay so it's selling vape cartridges um vape products not a lot of product there though like it is a very sparse shop so basically like two little glass displays cases and then the cash register in the middle all right he comes up to it he uh, is wearing a hat and sunglasses so he's you know trying to disguise himself a little bit he clearly is threatening the clerk and pulls out his gun. As he pulls out his gun, he fumbles it, he bounces it in the air a couple times, and then he drops it over the counter, back by the (laughs) clerk's feet. He then proceeds to plant both hands right on the glass case and try to climb over to get the gun. Mm -hmm. He is a bit soft in the middle, and, (laughs) and this is not something he can accomplish. So he peels up his hands, leaving perfect handprints on the glass, and then 
starts running out. As he's running out, his pants are falling down around his legs. Oh, my goodness. So he kind of looks like a penguin at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Waddles out and runs away on foot. Um, that is what I have for you. Um, I, Did he get caught? I can only assume he got caught within minutes. Got caught with his pants down, if you will. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he left some fingerprints. Mine have left some DNA. Yeah. Uh, left, left his, his gun, gun, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to, I mean, rule number one, right? If you're going to conduct an armed robbery, make sure your victim doesn't get a hold of your I mean, gun. Right, that is, <clears throat> that's that is kind of integral to the success or not of your crime. Yes. Okay. Uh, was it, was it a funny video? I mean, yes. I, I, I'm envisioning this in my mind. Yes. It's funny in my mind. Imagine it as hilarious. Everyone. Out what, there. What, what do we need to Google to find this video? Just if we want to do it later for S's and G's. I don't remember what I searched, so I can't Penguin even tell you. clerk vape shop. Yeah, maybe I mean, vape shop, fumbling burglar. Okay. Um, and for, for purposes of this discussion, I'm assuming since it's a DCOTW, he did get caught and yeah. prosecuted and probably confessed everything. Yes. All right. Uh, so knuckleheads, Russ, um, do you want me to go first or I'll, I'll give you mine. Um, super dumb. Like I especially think, you know, Robin, a vape shop that probably has like 25 bucks in the till. Like mm-hmm. that's not what I want to do my armed robbery for. You know, I mean, I don't want to commit an armed robbery, but if you're going big, go for some actual cash. Right. You know, yeah. at, at least hit, you know, I don't know, a bank, maybe a dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so you robbed the wrong shop. Robbed ding. the wrong shop. Ding. But I will say this is more... I, for me, it's more clumsy than stupid. You know, he tried hiding his identity, um, although it was stupid to leave his handprints too. Ah, I'm going to go three and a half. Okay. All right. So, so basically you're penalizing him for his size and lack of agility in the commission of this crime as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give him a four yeah. uh, for all those reasons too. I, I you know, I, man, I, I really should give him that extra five for losing his pants along the way. That's pretty funny. That's, that's hilarious um but yeah i think a four feels right what a moron and uh yeah don't try this at home i think is the lesson there or or at your local local vape, <laughs> vape shop <laughs> so uh wrapping up this is another uh conclusion for uh, an episode of is this legal um as always please reach out a lot, we've been getting a lot of feedback a lot of mail from you guys which we really appreciate so um how can they do that russ they can reach us on Twitter as is at is this legal pod uh, at habits McCallan on the web on Facebook or on Facebook or email us at denvercrimelaw at gmail.com. Yep, that'll come right to us. But in the meantime, keep it safe, keep it legal, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Is This Legal? See you next time.